0: Uh, This morning, we're going to talk about Love Mercy, and it is the uh, second of three when it talks about uh, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Kim will finish us up next week with what it looks like to walk humbly, but I have the privilege today to talk about Love Mercy. And, um, before we do, I want to move us into looking a little bit of what does Canada look like or what did it look like and what does it look like now? What is the state of the church? So I, um... I have this little graph here that uh, I want to be able to share with you, and it, this is a census that was taken in 1971. Another one was taken in 2011, and then the last is a survey that was taken in 2018. And you'll see the numbers. You can kind of see where things are trending, but I will unpack it for you a little bit. So this, talk, uh, this asked the question: Are you Catholic? Are you Protestant? Or no religion? And so in 1971, there was 46% of All Canadians said that they were Catholic. And then uh, we find that that Christians, that there was 41% of Canadians said they were Christian. That makes up 88% of all Canadians said they were Christian. 4% said they had no religion. That's in 1971. We fast forward 40 years, and now we see that the trend has now changed. We have 39% say they're Catholic and we have better look at my numbers here. We have 27% say that they are Protestant. And then you see that this spike happens within 40 years of 24% express that they have no religion. 2018. The survey shows that there is now 29% saying they are Catholic. There's eighteen percent says that they are Protestant, and twenty nine percent say they have no religion. So where we used to be this nation that we could say we're a Christian nation, people that that took their their values and, uh, and their beliefs from God and the Bible, it is now moved and it has changed. And no longer can we say that we're a Christian nation. When, in this 2018 survey, it was asked, does, um, do you need religion? Um, let me just, was it? 64% of all adults say that religion has not, doesn't have an important part to play in Canada. So in this 2018, 18 survey, 64% said that religion doesn't need to play an important part in Canada. As well, the question was asked is, do you need to have God in your life to have morals and good values? And the response was 67% said no. So our country has changed which means that because it's changed, we now have two generations, maybe three generations, that have never gone to church before. They've never maybe ever had a Bible before. We have a a country, we have a, a country that has changed in the way that it looks at God, the way that it interacts with the Bible. Today, people in that 29%, and it probably is even more, Uh, where where do they get their knowledge of God? They get their knowledge of God from what they read on the internet, what they watch on the news, and the entertainment that they engage with. And I can tell you that the news, (laughs) entertainment, and what you read isn't very favorable to the church now. Now, they probably say that it's racist. They probably say that it is outdated. They probably say that it's laughable. I don't need it. Why would I need it? So it's important to have this as a baseline as we move forward in this love mercy because it's it's here understanding that that we are called to be part of our community. We are called to step into our community, to love our community. And who are we loving? What is it that we're engaging with? And we're engaging with a community that does not hold God and the Bible with great value. So let's look at this next part. Why love mercy? Oh, excuse me. Yep, there we go. Uh, let's look at the verse here that we're going to go by. And it says, uh, He has shown you, O mortal or O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Andrew did a great job last week in bringing to us the vision statement. And so here's our vision statement. And our vision statement says this. It's going to come up. Our vision statement is to live out the kingdom of God in our church in our community and beyond the valley. And so we're taking uh, Micah 6.8, and we're looking at Micah 6.8 in this part where it says that we need to do justly. That's beyond our valley. And today it's the the love mercy. That's in our community. And so I want to talk about what does love mercy look like? What does it mean to love mercy? And so it's this. The first part is to love mercy is... Mercy is getting what we don't deserve, not getting what we deserve, right? Not getting what we deserve. And for us to love mercy is to love the people around us, not in a way of what they deserve or what they don't deserve, in that maybe they don't deserve our love, but we're called to love. The truth is, is that if I don't love mercy, I'm not going to love the people around me. I need to see people around me with great mercy. If I don't, I will not love them. And in essence, if I don't love them with mercy, I'm going to love myself. I will put myself ahead above the people around me. And that is not what God has called us to do. You see, God himself, the reason why we love mercy, because God himself has demonstrated mercy to us. I have the verse up there, Psalm 103, 2 and 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your decrees, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you, get this, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Picture on your head the crown of mercy upon you, of his love and his mercy upon you. That's our God. And we are called to demonstrate this love. We are called to be an example, to be imitators of our God who loves mercy. And he loves mercy upon us. Why do we love mercy? Why do we need to love mercy? Because it puts others first. And more importantly, because it is who God is. And we need to show our God in this way. So where do we start? Well, I want to take us to Matthew 22, 34 to to 40. Let's read these verses together. These verses say, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment In the law. And he said to them, You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he said, This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second one is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hinge on these two. So, where do we start? We start with the part of loving God. Loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. We are creatures. We are people who love. We want to be loved. And we will love. And if we don't love God with all of our heart, with our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, we will love something. It'll be yourself. And we live in such a narcissistic society, it's so easy to love ourselves. Matter of fact, it's so easy to fall into that trap of loving ourselves. Sometimes I'll take out my phone and I will go to my photos. And if you have an iPhone, I don't know if this works on Andrew, but if you have an iPhone, you can, uh, you can take it so you can see how many selfies you have. You ever done that before? Embarrassing. (laughs) Don't think too highly of yourself. I know there are people that they will take a picture of themselves and they'll keep taking a picture, look at it, take a picture, look until they get the right one to post. You've probably never done that. That's probably good. It sounds simple to love our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Here's the question. The question is this. You want to know where your love is? Where are you spending your money? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your treasure? When you look at your your time, your treasure, and your talents. When you look at those, are you asking God, where do you want me to spend your time, God, your treasure, your talents? That's what it looks like to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, with all of our mind. We do it as we, as we, we practice the rhythms, these spiritual rhythms of spending time with God in prayer. Of seeking him to say, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time, with my talent and my treasure? Sometimes I find myself coming to God and saying, Lord, I'm having a problem with this. You need to fix this. You need to fix this person. This person is really bugging me. You need to change this person. I find myself coming and saying, Lord, I have this problem and you need to fix the problem. You need to take away the hardship and the trial. And I don't think it's wrong to be honest with God because I I know he already knows our heart. But but what I, I think and what I want to be drawn to in my spiritual rhythm of prayer is to sit and to say, God, what do you want to say to me? How do you want to speak to me about my problem? about my hardship, about my situation. What do you want to say to me, God? Because God wants to speak to us. And when, I, when I'm loving him, I'm, I'm allowing him to speak to me. As, as Phil said today, Pastor Phil said today, we are so in such a hurry to slow down and to spend time allowing God to engage with us and to speak to us, to read scripture to hear him speak to us, to serve. Service is an act of spiritual worship. Serving is an act of love towards God. It's a spiritual rhythm, hospitality. And I know in a COVID period of time, it's hard to be hospitable, but man, God can be pretty creative if he wants to, if you allow him to, to be hospitable to the people around us. And I'm spending too much time on this point and I got to move on. But if we are not loving God, we will put ourselves first. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I believe when we are practicing worship with God, practicing spiritual rhythms with God in a healthy way, we will find ourselves loving ourselves in a healthy way. It won't be all about me. It's going to be about him. And therefore, we will love people in a healthy way. And do you know it's not an option? To love the people around us is not an option. To love your neighbor is not an option. I know that I've had some pretty annoying neighbors in my life, and I want to make it an option. But it's not an option. I have to love them. So where does this lead us? Well, what does loving our neighbor look like? There are times that I read scripture and I think, really? 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 Really, do you put that in there? Let's look at this scripture, because this is one of them, all right? So this is what Jesus says. But I say to you, <laughs> but I say to you, who, you, I don't know what I'm saying. <sighs> but I say to you who hear, love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Seriously? And then he goes on to say this. Jesus says this. I say to you, love those, or if you love those who love you, what benefit is to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Now, let's just replace that word sinners for a moment. I don't want that to trip you up. I want you to look at that as the common person, all right? That's the everyday person on the street, just normal person. God's not in your life. And he's saying, listen, even the people that don't have God in their life, They will love the people that love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is it to you? For even the common person does the same. And if you lend to those who you expect to receive, what credit is to you? Even the common person lends to another common person to get back the same amount. But love your enemy, and do good, and lend, not expecting anything in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as our Father is, our Father is merciful. So what does it look to love our neighbor? It looks to love the person who is our enemy. And you know what I say is that that's the bar. So the bar in the world is like here, and God says the bar, my bar, my bar is up here. Love your enemy. If you can start by loving your enemy, if that is your standard to say, I can even love my enemy, then what follows below? is something you can accomplish. And maybe you're saying, well, wait a minute. Time out here, Scott. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) You don't know my enemy because my enemy abused me. My enemy beat me. My enemy called me names of stupid, and other things that you can't say in church. And you're telling me to love my enemy? I'm saying Jesus said, love your enemy. And he took it right to the cross. As he hung there and he looked down on the people who had crucified him and he said to them, He says to his father, to our father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. So it's not me. I can't tell you that I can actually accomplish this every day. But I know one who can. Loving our enemy is what we're called to do. And it is outside the box. It's outside the box of what our world says. And I will say this. How do you get there? You get there by asking God to give you the capacity to love your enemy. For him to give you the capacity. Because he can do it. And he has done it. And where I cannot, he can where I am weak he is strong let's move to this part of how we see our valley so in Matthew 9:35 to 38 we will read these words And Jesus went throughout the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest will send out his laborers into the harvest. How do you see the valley that you and I live in? It says that Jesus looked at the crowd and he had compassion for them. He had this great compassion. And what was go, go back to that that verse for a moment because look at the people he had compassion with, they were the ones that were harassed. They were helpless. They were lost. They were sheep. They needed a shepherd. Just look around as you drive around and look at the people in our community. Those people, do you have compassion? You know, we're, we're, we're pretty good at, at setting ourselves up better than the other people around us. I heard a guy once say that we get into the er thing, and we live in the er thing. I, well, at least I'm better than them. At least I'm thinner than them. At least I'm smarter than them. And, and we live in that. And I live in that, and I struggle with it. But having compassion is looking and saying, Everybody needs Jesus. Go back to my outline there. Because when I had compassion, then do I actually believe that this valley is a valley that is ripe for harvest? Do I see that God is working in people? I may not know who he's working in, but people, God is working in people's lives. I know there are at least two people here that I've heard their testimony that God was working in their life, and it's been within this year that they've encountered Jesus like they've never encountered Jesus before because God was working in their life, and they didn't come from a church background. They were part of that 29% that I talked about. Do you believe that God is working in our valley? I want to, I want to look at our valley and I want to have this compassion because I believe that God is working in the valley. And, and, and so what we want to do is we want to move us as a church to walk in our principles of in, for, and win. it's with it's not a gimmick, it's for us just to examine our hearts and to say, Where do I fit in here? And the first part is the fact that we are in this valley. Do you believe that God has put you in this valley? He's put you in a job, He's put you in a community, He's put you put people into your life for a purpose for His plan, that He is working in their life, that He may call you to be involved in their life. You are in this valley. And what we want is that, is that, you know how you have a fence and you can look over a fence? Remember Tim the Tool Guy? Wilson? Howdy ho, neighbor. We need to do a little bit of some howdy ho, neighbor, with Wilson. If you don't know, look it up on YouTube, Tim the Tool Guy, and he'll be on there. But you never saw his neighbor's face. All you saw was this right here, Wilson. And they had these conversations. We need to look up. Look up because the fields are ripe with harvest. Look up. Look around. You know, God could be working in that person. You go to the grocery store and, and, you know, that lady or that guy, he's checking you out and they're not doing it right and they can't seem to get it right and they seem to be grumpy and you're just, you know, oh, man, I need to get out of here. Why are they so slow? They're not doing their job properly. They don't seem like they know what they're doing. What if you love them with mercy, this kindness this compassion because maybe maybe there's somebody that's been telling them that God loves them that God has a plan for them that that God is going to show up and maybe maybe your act of kindness is God showing up in their life the, the fields are white with harvest we're in this community we also need to be for this community Jesus was for the people around them we're for this community. We, we, we get involved. We see where we can just engage. We have a pile of shoes that are out there. Thank you if you've been donating shoes. I got an email this week from the lady who asked us to donate these shoes. And she says that she's asked the community and it hasn't been going well at all. And I took a picture and I said, look at our shoes. She goes, wow, that's incredible. She says, I, I think I'm going to move on to coats. You think you can ask the church for coats? Actually, she didn't say the church. You gonna ask your people. My people. <laughs> You're my people. Can you ask them for coats? Hey, we need coats. Can you bring some coats in? I want, to, I want to overwhelm this lady with coats. She doesn't know what's going to happen to her. But that's just being for our community. In those ways, being for our community is volunteering at a food bank or volunteering in another area of this community. Being for our community is actually knowing your neighbor who maybe they're a young family. And they're, you know, you've been watching them and all they're doing is going from work to home to school. And you go, you know, we can help them out. What if you knocked on their door and you say, listen, you got to get to know them a little bit. You can't just do this. But if you know your neighbors, to say to them, listen, you need to go out on a date. We're going to watch your kids. And here's a hundred bucks to go out on a date. What do you think your neighbor would say? You crazy? You don't know my kids. (laughs) I don't know your kids, but we're going to get to know your kids. They come back from that time. Maybe, just maybe, they come back from that time because you're for them. You've been talking to them and they come back and they sit down the kids are in bed and they say to you man thank you so much we needed this our marriage hasn't been doing good or we've been going through a rough time we've been watching you and you guys do it pretty good what do you do and you just simply say ah oh, you know you don't you don't see us all the time boy if you did you'd go Whoa, they don't have it together but I'll tell you what we try to operate on some principles they really help us these principles and maybe you leave. But they may come back to you and say, those principles, what are those, where, do you, where do you get those principles? Ah, uh, let me tell you. Being for our community, and then we get to be with our community. Now, that's why I say that's what Lisa Postma, she is in her community. She is for her community, and she is with her community. And it gets messy when we get in our community or with our community. Because we start traveling with people and we start hearing about their struggles and their trials and we got to walk with them. But that's what Jesus did. He was the woman at the well. It was messy. It was really messy. But look at the results. Okay, I've gone way too long and I'm going to wrap this up right now. Here we go. What do I need to do? This is what I need to do. I need to pray. I think... I need to pray. I need to ask God, God, who are you bringing into my life? We're not going to fill our stadiums for Billy Graham to preach to our our community. We're not going to be able to whip out the four spiritual laws and tell people that God loves them because they don't even know who God is. He's an expression they use to talk about something exciting that happened in their life. But I'll tell you what they will respond to is love, loving mercy. And so we ask God, who are you bring into my life? And then we ask God this, God, how do you want to use me in the plan that you are working in their life? How do you want to use me? I don't need to pray God save them because Jesus is doing that. He's done that. He's working in their life because I believe that the fields are ripe with harvest. But it's this part of saying, God, how do you want to use me? How do you want me to engage with my neighbor? And then believing that God is working in their life and the harvest is plentiful. I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to close with a song this morning and offer communion. There'll be one, one place to, up here to, uh, to do communion if you would like to. And the song that we're going to close with today, um, uh, uh, these two wonderful ladies are going to sing it. It's not something that uh, we're going to sing necessarily, but it's a reflective song. Nothing or everything. And, um, or something. The song is called Nothing or Something. And it's a great reflective song, just talking about what I've talked about. I don't want anybody to feel guilty here today. That's not my motive. My motive is for us to step into God's heart, his passion, his compassion, his mercy, And to believe that God is working in our community. And there are many, many people that God is working, and we're going to see salvation take place because He's working. But for you and I, we need to step in with a, a love, a mercy that is His. Lord Jesus, today, thank you for who you are. Lord, that you have poured out your great love. Your steadfast love has been poured upon us. We don't deserve it. It's something we should not receive and yet we have. And Lord, help us to live in that so that we can live out of it to the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.